0: Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award winning realtor Matt Glenn and top producing mortgage broker Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Hey, Matt, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. How's Uh, it going? Great. Yeah. I wanted to uh, dive straight into it today and touch on a headline. I won't name the lender, but it's got four letters, kind of a maroon and gold color. <laughs> yeah. um, one one of the bigger banks. But uh, yeah, they've made some headlines. Essentially, they've been scrutinized recently for bending the rules in terms of lending guidelines. Yeah, basically debt service ratios. So Providing mortgages over the past few years to maybe people that shouldn't have been qualified. And you know, it's funny because I don't work with them on the mortgage brokering side, like they're out of the mortgage broker channel and they just deal with clients one-on-one. But I personally have a mortgage with them and they do definitely bend the rules. And anybody (laughs) that has an Airbnb property, yeah, they are the lender to go to. Yeah, pretty interesting, interesting how some of these banks can kind of make up their own rules and then only when times are tough in the industry and maybe people are defaulting, they get caught. How did this come up?
1: Were people defaulting? Is this a, this a thing? Or?
0: I, I don't think uh, people are defaulting on a scale that's increasing or to be worried about. Yeah, I don't want to like provide any scarcity. I, I think it's just at these times when there are a lot of lending guidelines that are trying to be implemented to try and slow the market down or provide more protection for clients yeah people start doing some research there are regulatory bodies that that look into this and obviously they found something so interesting nothing Sorry probably for the the daily consumer to worry about major but news in the mortgage working world it, it is yeah <laughs> i and i mean essentially what it does is it's just going to continue to implement like it's really difficult to get a mortgage right now yeah and that's just going to continue with those restraints on you know Making it easy to to get money. Cause this was definitely one of those lenders that could bend the rules and yeah, people just knew it for a long time. So
1: yeah, interesting. It is an interesting story. And then also another bit of news was uh inflation came down a bit. Three point four percent now or three point five.
0: Yeah, three point so it's dropped a full percent yeah. from the last report. And they basically increased the Bank of Canada, based on the last report, they increased it a quarter point because inflation went up by 0.11%. Yep. So it's gone down a full percent. We're getting very close to uh, where they want to have it at in that 2.5% range. So it's moving it in the right direction. Hopefully that continues. And then I saw this report that said that if you count the mortgage increases in the
1: of the interest rates hikes that we've been having, that counts for almost a full percent of our inflation number. Yeah, So we're already kind of at getting close to two and a half percent if you don't count the increase in mortgage
0: yeah and what that means hopefully for people is that you know the variable rate will start to come down in the nearer future Um, what do you think we talk about this a little bit in the
1: episode but what what do you think of it what do you think it's going to happen with the interest rates
0: i feel they're going to be plateaued until the last quarter of this year and then we'll see maybe a, a quarter percent cut
1: in this year yeah no more raises and a quarter percent cut by the end of
0: the year yeah interesting i mean hey, you got to make some bold, bold. yeah no hey, I, i'm gonna I be it. wrong just like everyone else i mean i think the definition of an <laughs> economist is to be wrong on everything <laughs> um, and, not, and i'm not an economist so maybe i'm not wrong yeah no but no. yeah i i do think uh we will see a quarter point cut by the end of the year that would be awesome
1: i think i agree with you on that one yeah i don't know if it'll be this year or early next year but i yeah. think it's going to plateau and then slowly start coming down all right today uh We have John Albrecht on and it was awesome talking to him.
0: Yeah. I've known him pretty much my whole life. He's been a terrible influence on me personally, but for my investment portfolio, he's probably been the biggest piece that's made me most successful, to be honest. Awesome. He's got me a a few properties that have done really well. So I owe a lot to him and his team. And him and his team have been in the top 1% of Royal LePage for basically the last decade. So Royal LePage across Canada, which is, is huge. I don't know what that means in terms of like units sold, but they do a ton of business. They do do a ton of business. And they do residential, commercial. His One of his partners, Joe Angaro, he's helped me out with some commercial projects, like just tons of knowledge. So
1: you could tell that even when John was talking today, like he comes in with all his notes and he was ready to go.
0: Yeah. They are very data driven and mm-hmm. they know their stuff. They've been doing it for a while. And you know, when I threw out my, like I actually put a question out probably three months ago on my, my VIP mailing list where I yeah. give away free stuff. Um, that was one of the questions was like, who would you want to have on the show or what topics do you want to cover? And this was the number one answer was, was John Albart. So fortunately enough, we finally were able to get him. He stumbled in here. Yeah. Yeah. It it took multiple (laughs) times trying to line it up with his busy schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So we pulled him off the softball field and we got him in the studio. So yeah, I think you guys will enjoy this. It was a good one. Okay. Okay, John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the uh, Icebreaker. This segment of the show is brought to you by Taylor at Venture Mortgages. Come venture into the exciting world of mortgages. In three minutes or less, can you describe your perfect workday transitioning into a, a weekend? Yeah, so Fridays are,
2: I wouldn't say they're the busiest day of the week. It kind of starts heavy on Mondays and kind of slows into the weekend. And then we prepare for any open houses or weekend showings. But as soon as the work day's over, I'm, I'm just looking to find people to hang out with me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anybody that will be willing you know take me away from my own thoughts and yeah. just uh hang well, out with me? yeah so i'm just, just texting people
0: yeah. yeah that's how you showed up today because yeah back, just <laughs> pointed, not you're in the backyard just random guy <laughs> i knew walked, nobody so was just, like here, so. La-
1: wandering yeah. lost i just guided you here i was like yeah, yeah. let's hear your thoughts dude yeah
2: yeah no i'm pretty extroverted so if i can get out and see as many people as possible on a friday it's obviously a lot harder now that i have a child but yeah it uh
1: how old's, your, uh, how old's your child? He's two. Oh, two wow. last week, yeah. Nice.
2: So, had a little birthday party and tasted cake for the first time. Oh! Sugar for the is first time. For
0: him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's exciting. Are you supposed to wait for two years? I think we gave Leo that pretty early on. Tough.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait <laughs> as long as you can because he's been bouncing <laughs> off the
1: walls since. <laughs> Bounce off the walls till his third birthday?
2: Yeah. Yeah. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So, are you on a team? Like, how many people are on your team? Or I am actually. There's four of us. So yep. there's Joe Ungaro. Yeah, Kayla, his daughter.
2: She's yep. on Matt leave. Okay. And then there's Terry Courtney. So Terry and Joe worked at Hoover Realty, which Joe owned in the '80s, and it was uh, on Bernard, where Kelowna Costume is. And wow. uh, Roy Lapage bought them. So Terry and Joe and a bunch of other people came over to Roy Lapage, and there's still a handful left at our office.
1: I did not know that. Yeah, it's crazy. What round? What year was that?
0: Ninety-two, I believe. Oh yeah, that would yeah. make sense. Joe does primarily most of the commercial stuff for you guys' team, and you do most of the residential, or just kind of a mix. It's a
2: pretty big mix. Like residential is what we do the majority of, but Joe likes to dive into the commercial and land plays, and the more complicated stuff is really what he likes doing. Yeah, he likes solving problems and. Figuring out solutions. Perfect. You should do some deals. deals
1: with me because I can make things very complicated. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: no, but single family, we do the yep. most stuff for sure. Nice.
1: But
0: And like, that's what you guys are. Like you're very data-driven, like analytical, like you send out absorption reports and yeah, you've got some awesome information. So that's kind of what spurred this conversation on was you sent me an email a few days ago. Yeah, you guys plotted some information over the last nine years. Do you want to kind of review some of that for our listeners yeah
2: sure so i don't know what people can see they probably can't see anything yeah if if, if, if they want it
0: yeah if they want this chart um yeah they can email email it out email you and um yeah john can send it off and we'll we'll actually post it on instagram but at the same time as we release this so people can can follow along sure so
2: we just took a two-story family home in crawford estate so we just chose an area crawford we took the HPI, which is the home price index, and we started in June of 2014. Yeah. So we went back, the average house price there was 719500 And as you can see over time, now it would be 1322000 And then we just ran some different numbers. So what the mortgage qualifying rates would be, what your down payment would look like. And uh, it's been pretty interesting. Like If you look at the down payment to purchase a house at $1,325,000 now, yep. it's $265,000 almost, which
1: is a lot of money for a household income. Yeah. Back in 2014, it was 143000
0: Yeah. And so just to highlight there as well, so your income, you would need to qualify for that with that down payment, with a 20% down payment would be $278,000. Yes. Yeah. Today. So, obviously, there's not a lot of households that have that kind of income, like the average Canadian. So, then to offset that, people are going to have to come in with like much larger down payments.
1: That's so there's not like that income is if you're putting down 20%, kind of the minimum for a property like that, and then getting there. But if you have, if you've been in the market, you probably have quite a bit more equity than that to be able to make a move like that.
2: You definitely have equity. Yeah. Um, Do people have, and Taylor might know this more than we would, but do people have? $280,000 $280,000 worth of equity. I don't know. I
0: guess it depends when you were born. Yeah. On top of that, that's saying like you have a $278,000 household income with zero debt, mm-hmm. like no car payment, no student loan, no credit card bills, no lines of credit. Like that's, there's not a lot of, I mean, Little funny I see, tax strategies. Yeah. I see a lot of files come across my desk. <laughs> there there aren't a lot of people that fit that role, right? Like everyone, has yeah. some kind of payment outside of their house.
2: And what does that look like? If you have a car payment of 500 bucks, what, yeah. what are you telling people? Is it a hundred thousand of
0: borrowing that they lose or? Yeah, it's it's getting upwards of that now. So okay. it's about like a $400 payment is just over a hundred thousand dollars of, of mortgage power, basically. Wow. And so most car payments, let's say like, you know, yeah. somebody goes out and buys a uh, Volkswagen Atlas <laughs> and puts it on like a five-year term. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody would do that. <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a $900 a month, $1,000 a month car payment. So that's, you know, $225,000 of mortgage power taken off your plate. Yeah. Pretty tough one to swallow. But anyways, to get back on track with this then, what does this historical housing costs mean to the average person? I think to the average
2: person, it's pretty scary. But to a lot of people, it just shows you that... A lot of people made a lot of money in the market. Even if you bought a house in 2020, I look at it positively. I mean, if you bought in 2020, which my wife and I did, and we did a, you know not a substantial rental on a house. We did the kitchen and one bathroom and some flooring, knocked out some walls. And you know the, the price skyrocketed. So the market went up, plus our improvements yeah. went up. So we had a big down payment for the next house. If you look at it, it shows you that since 2014 the market's gone way up so just yeah, get into like the market your
1: example here went up 83% which is mm-hmm. obviously significant like if properties go up 5% a year it takes them 15 years to double so 2014 to 2023 is 9 years and it went up 83% so we're way past that we're way past yeah, yeah so that's uh that's significant but like a lot of, it went up like that for everybody so if you were in the market in 2014 which most people were i think your values are going up there too. So to make lateral moves or even to go up a little bit is easier. Right. It's, so like it's if, much easier. If you, to getting in the market is the hardest part because if you're not building equity in real estate, like it's really hard to keep up with these prices. The people that are the hardest is the first-time home buyer. And for sure. Getting into the market is so much harder than just incrementally going up. Right. Did you say you, you bought your house in 2020 and then did you have you sold it since? we sold it.
2: So we bought it for six fifty.
1: Yeah. We
2: did a renovation and yeah. we sold it for 1.2. We kind of got the perfect storm, yeah, we which did. you can't time either. Like everybody's kind of waiting to yeah. to buy at the perfect time. Yeah. We just, we can't do it. The next house I bought, maybe we bought at the peak of the market, but yeah. we were talking about earlier, we couldn't have qualified yeah. unless we had bought yeah. when the interest rates are low. Now the interest rates are higher. So the wife might have to cancel a wine membership and <laughs> I've got to stop, skip the dishes. <laughs> On $20 blizzards to the house, you know? It's just something you do.
1: I'll have to make sacrifices. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Looking at one year here on this chart, so January of 23, like, honestly, that's kind of the year that really stands out. So there was a year-over-year percentage change of 57%, where all the other years were much more... You know, the other year was January 18, which was 14%, which was the other highest year. So, really, like, if you take that outlier out of the equation, I, I wonder what that would do to the rest of the chart. Like, you know, it's a pretty big anomaly. It is. Yeah. It happened, right? Like, you have those years.
1: It went up to 1.4 and it came down to 1.3. So,
0: it's come down since then. Yeah. Yeah. But since June 2014, like, it went up by. Fifty-seven percent in that year, the year-over-year year change. So that was a that was a big spike. But so, seeing where this graph is going now, looks like February two thousand twenty-three is when it really starts to come back down. So, what does that downward trend mean? Like, is it obviously like the housing prices are becoming more affordable in comparison to your down payment and qualifying? Um, like, it looks like we peaked in kind of January 23?
2: January, February, March of 2022 actually is when the prices were the highest. Like we really peaked then. Then it started to come down. It looks like we bottomed out maybe January of this year. It was just the winter was slow and then it started to get busier again. But it's really hard to know. And we do this data over six months or sometimes a year. Our absorption reports that we do every month, we do over six months because we don't know if it's the spring market that made it busy or if it was the markets getting more confidence. And it seems like the yeah. interest rates really drive that as well. So yeah. the interest rates do a hold. Buyers gain some confidence. seems like people are buying again. The interest rates go up. People kind of hold off for a bit, wait to build some confidence maybe.
1: It is. I agree with you. It is totally to do with the uh, interest rates. But this year has followed – kind of the seasonal pattern where you have a slow winter spring builds up builds up and now we're kind of into the summer and it's peaking and coming down a little bit right like what the
0: i mean that also follows interest rates. i know like, i know it's the funny exactly yeah like, it's both at the same time but we, it's, we stopped increases a few months ago confidence came back yeah. super busy spring yeah everything was on untr- like i had a super busy spring yeah and so then the last rate increase like for the last two weeks it's kind of been crickets because it's just And it it didn't affect, we spoke about this before, it didn't affect anyone's purchasing power because that's on the variable. That's the overnight Canada, which we're only qualifying people on fixed rates right now. It's just so much cheaper. Yeah. But it has slowed down the market, whether it's the interest rates or just the bad media or the summer.
1: Yeah, or the seasons. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, I predicted that this year was going to follow pretty seasonal. And it has, but like I don't know if that's because of this.
0: Uh, it's because of your prediction yeah. on this podcast. I drive the market.
1: Yeah, yeah. What I say, the fall me?
0: is going to be a blowout here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's just look at it in two ways, like optimist, pessimist, like best case scenario, worst case scenario. What is this chart? We'll start with with worst case. Like if you're a really negative person and you're skeptical of the market. How do you? I.e., have a Twitter account? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. If you're very skeptical, you're not going to want to buy in. You're going to say it's too expensive. I'm never going to get into the market. Yeah. But
0: well, are um, you looking at this going? It's on a downward trend. Like houses are are going to come back down. Interest rates are going to continue to increase. People can't afford these houses. It, it depends on the inventory. So we
2: often see a lot of inventory in the spring. You yeah. Say it comes up like the dandelions, but we yeah. haven't seen very much inventory in yeah. years. So. You know, even when we look at the condo market, there's very low inventory as a whole in the condo market. Yeah. So we will really see what happens when twenty twenty five hits and we've got way more inventory. But on single family residential, they can't build them fast enough. There's too many people moving here. It's yeah. it's too desirable. So it's hard to know what's gonna happen with the prices. I feel like they might just level off. They might go down a little bit, but I don't think it's gonna be
1: substantial like it was in, you know, two thousand eight or I agree. And then also, like the inflation report just came out and we're down 3.4 yeah. right? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. It dropped a percent. And I also heard
1: this other report if you count the mortgages, like that accounts for like a f- one full percent of the mortgage increase we've had.
0: Yeah. Which is, I mean, we spoke about this before too. It's insanity that they are including that in the inflation report when they are trying to counter inflation yeah. by increasing <laughs> yeah. part of the inflation. <laughs> Yeah. Multiplier. So
1: if you take out the mortgage increase, we're actually at 2.5%.
0: We're back where they want to be.
1: Yeah. yeah. But it
0: seems like we're getting close, right? Yeah. But they also want, like, not to get too off track, they want to see, like, a five-year average of that inflation, like, where it needs to be. So since we had, a, you know, the last 12 months of crazy high inflation, that's going to kind of ruin our five-year average. But, like, that's probably why the Bank of Canada went up in an interest rate a few weeks ago was because we had that 0.11% increase in inflation. Right. And now we've seen a full percent decrease, which is a really good sign for anyone that's in a variable rate. But I think as we can all attest to, like, nobody knows anything. We're all just speculating with with those rate announcements. And they might not want to go
2: up, down, and then have to go back up. They might want to say, let's figure it out. So, you know, because in the past, they've gone down and then they've had to skyrocket up again because it wasn't. Salt.
0: So I mean, yeah, if, this, if history's given us anything, I think that would be the case where like they're overreactive. Right. So yeah, maybe they slashed rates by 4% just overnight. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't. Even. <laughs> okay. So then like switching into the, the more positive side, how would you look at this chart if you wanted to be more optimistic about it?
2: If I was looking at it as a first time buyer, I would just say clearly real estate's going up. Yeah. The test of time is there. It's had a lot of data and a lot of research and time on where people that bought real estate have done really well. So I would say, get into anything that you can afford. I mean, if my dad, when I was like 19 would say, go buy a house in Rutland because that's yeah. where you can afford to buy one at the time. Yeah. I was like, no, you know, all my friends are in West Cologne. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, just do it. Like put your, you know, just go and buy anything, anything. Yeah. And I just didn't listen. Yeah. It's kind of like everything your parents tell you, you know, they're usually right, but (laughs) it takes like five years to (laughs) figure it out. Yeah. Or you have to be a parent and then you're like, so I didn't do it and I paid the price. Obviously I I didn't get to make a lot of money when I was in my early twenties, but if you could buy a trailer or a condo or anything, and you just start to pay it down, get a roommate. Like I think a lot of people want what their parents have, which isn't realistic. Like, you know, my parents got granite countertops when they're in their fifties, you just you know now yeah. everybody gets granite countertops yeah. pretty much so if you can just bite the ego and move somewhere that you can afford for a couple of years i i just can't see how it and if you have the ability to hold on to it which you probably will because people can get jobs mm-hmm. so that's not an issue then you can just either stay if the market's bad and continue to pay it down decide when a good time to sell it and move up and then just continue that that process which is what i had to do and Probably you both yeah. had to do so. That. I
1: had to do that too. And honestly, the biggest thing is just getting in the market. Right, just get in the market any way you can.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I lived in a two bedroom, seven hundred square foot home with a roommate named Paul and my new bride. She actually moved in with us, and it was it was a tight house. Two beds, one bath. You know, and it's just yeah. never
1: talked to Paul
0: again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not by choice. Yeah. No. no, it was good. I still love that house. I think it's a great house. I yeah. I feel like you should have kept it, but um, yeah, the' like, couldn't beat the location. Yeah. It was just uh, wasn't in our cards at the time. So, and then in terms of inventory, like I think that's probably the biggest thing to speak about right now is the fact that there is an inventory. And the reason being is, most people, if they do want to buy a new house and you guys can comment on this, like they just can't find it because we're in the stalemate where nobody wants to sell their house because they're waiting for like the perfect house to buy. And it's either overpriced or they can't qualify for it. It's just this. So what, like, what's the solution other than the obvious of, we need people to build more inventory. Like what gets the ball rolling? I mean, I think
2: there's other solutions. Like often people want, say a, a, a garage, a house won't have a garage. It's a big lot in Rutland, and the next house that they look at is two hundred thousand dollars more with a garage, but they can't afford that house. Well, you could buy the house for six hundred thousand and spend seventy five to a hundred thousand building a garage in the back. So I think you have to somewhat get creative and and talk to buyers about okay. You know, you really want a nice kitchen. This house is much less money and the kitchen's going to only cost you half the cost is going and buying the next house. Yeah. So you might just have to put some effort into it and, and take some time to build the shop or redo the kitchen, but yeah, you can solve that problem. It's really easy just to be like, okay, no, that house doesn't work. Let's go see what else is on the market. But then often you lose the, cause obviously
1: the lower the price point, the more, yeah, the more value is. add potential there is. Mm-hmm. I guess with that is it's a bit, you have to have a mortgage plan, right? Like Taylor can talk to this more, but like you kind of need to have like a mortgage plus improvements or some way to finance that. Because getting, if you're a first time home buyer putting 5% down or if it's 600, you have to put 5 or 10% down. And then you just don't have like $75,000 to build a shop, right? So sometimes it's sometimes just easier to just get there. Yeah. So like, I don't know, like if you go in there with a mortgage plan about how to do something like that, I think that would be pretty beneficial. Yeah. And there
0: are for sure those products. It's- yeah mortgage plus improvements and yeah. that's what you guys did on one of your houses right
1: we
2: actually did it on the
1: house in Glenmore that we oh, yeah? bought and sold yeah. how, much, how much plus improvements did you get i think we did
0: maybe 100,000 i thought there was a cap of like 35 or something but obviously the kind of the most common would be 40 but there yeah. are a few lenders that go to 100 up 80 i don't actually remember exactly but, but i've I your, your the money experience money with that because like the criteria yeah. like you have to have a contractor Like, do you want to walk us through that? Because essentially, like, it needs to be approved by the lender. They would need to know what they're spending money on. It's not like you can just go and take out a wall by yourself and then ask the bank for money because you knocked out a wall. Like, it has to be legitimate.
2: You have to, A, get quotes on everything. So you get a quote, you submit it, then you have the work done, and then you pay for it up front. So we had to pay for it, yeah. And then what they do is they send somebody in to make sure that the work was done and it looks like you spent that amount of money. So they don't want you taking the money, yeah. you know, saying you need eighty thousand, spending forty, and then having forty in your pocket.
0: Yeah. So they then, really
2: do quantify what you're doing, and
0: yeah, because well, then their so. loan to value is completely off. Yeah. Right? And I have had a few people ask that before, like, "Oh, I'm going to do this purchase plus, and I'll just do the work myself," and it's like. Well, everyone would be doing that just to like skim off another 50 grand. It's not how it works. No. Pretty protective. But it is a product like, like you said, if you need to do that and you want a shop or a kitchen, it's available. You just need to know it's going to be a bit of a pain.
2: Yeah. It wasn't that much of a pain. Like it it was pretty easy. You have the contractor that's going to do the work, just write up some general quotes. They don't really line up, but, you know, we spent more than what the bank was giving us. Anyways, and they, they only give you what they promise you and then yeah. poor, you Well that's probably
0: it. where it actually works instead of the other way where like you get a quote for ten thousand, you spend three thousand and then you still ask for the ten thousand. Yeah, like, right. It's yeah. not gonna work that way.
2: No. <laughs> it worked out really well for us because we didn't have the money to do it right away. Yeah. But the house that we had purchased was old, like it yeah. had needed one smell. owner. You yeah, know, she was in her nineties, smelled like mothballs. <laughs> and I was like grandma's cooking. Yeah, yeah. My wife's like, we're doing a reno. I'm like, it seems fine. Can we get back? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, like, you, you suggested before in 2025, maybe, like, when all these condos developments. Like, there's 10 cranes around the city right now. Like There are a ton
1: of I, Yeah, I up. went to go check out that new park by uh Patrick. Oh,
0: yeah? Oh, yeah.
1: It's beauty. Wait, it's a, did yeah. it open? Yeah, it, yeah, it just opened, like, open. a couple of days ago. Okay. Yeah. So, we just happened to walk by there, and, like, I think it was the second day it was open. But going through there, there's, like, at
0: least at least four, if not five or six new buildings going up right yeah. there. It's, it's South Pandozzi is booming right now. But, so what happens to the market in three years from now? That's a good question.
2: We're going to find out. I mean, it's either going to, you're going to be oversaturated with condos, but are people going to have to sell their houses and move into condos if interest rates keep rising? I mean, we haven't really felt the full effect of the interest rates yeah. because people can survive for so long or they're raising their amortization period uh, at some point, or they don't even trigger. know
1: that that's happening. If uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Or are people going to continue to move to Kelowna and, and buy condos? I mean, it's.
0: Well, I mean, a point on the interest rates is yeah, anyone that's in a variable right now is obviously feeling it, feeling yeah. those effects. Anyone that's in a fixed, you're probably going to, like, they're coming up for renewal this year, next year, 2025. Like, you're moving from a 2% rate to a 5.5%. Mm-hmm you're going to feel the pain of that. And if somebody can't afford those monthly payments, yeah, they're probably going to sell and downsize into the condo. So like- The problem is like condos aren't, like how cheap is a condo? Like a third condo. Like Movala like, is, you know, 700, yeah, 800. 800 plus a, for a, uh, plus a strata fee, yeah. right? So like that's a- uh, um, They're not affordable. But I guess my question is, like to me, it seems like they're overbuilding in the condo market. But developers are much smarter than I am. Like, exactly. So they just know that there's that- drive and need and like that's where i don't know because we don't have the
2: pre-sale numbers so i don't know how many are still available and yeah. how many have sold we can only obviously access what's on mls yeah. but it would be interesting to see what percentage are are selling and i mean only downtown it seems like they do pre-sales right like you, you don't have a building in lake country or elsewhere that does pre-sales they want to hit the market they want as much exposure as they can get and i think we're going to see more exposure to the mls market as time goes on because i don't think everything's going to be selling out like aqua and because I, I i don't think mavala sold out is it
0: no so so yeah uh, aqua phase one sold out before it even hit the market yeah that was yeah. like instant you're supposed to buy a unit at 10 a.m they were sold by 959 like it was the most frustrating thing ever So <laughs> uh, like yeah. what taylor's what do you mean they're car? all sold yeah yeah but we're recording this at the end of June, so um, so Canada just went live a couple days ago. Yeah, for their pre-sales, that's down in Penticton. We spoke about that with Shane Styles last week. Yeah, so yeah, okay. that is essentially sold out now. Um, which, but is, how many units are in the project? I think that matters too. It does. So. Uh, I think. Oh, I can't even remember now. I, I want to say Phase One say has like seventy, and okay, Phase Two has about the same. But I mean, that's a handful of units to get taken up in basically 24 hours yeah i mean it begs the question who's buying those right like those are probably mostly investors Mm -hmm.
1: there is obviously a shortage of housing like units and like any kind of whether it's a single-family home or in a condo like it feels like we do need quite a bit more right like if you just look at rental rates going crazy and uh obviously house prices going crazy like it just it feels like we do need more like quite a, a lot more
2: yeah the low inventory is really hard on Tenants yeah. as well, because yeah. and the interest rates are hard on tenants, you know, it really? really doesn't. I think some think that it's going to benefit them because housing prices will kind of go down, they'll be able to get into the market. But yeah. what it does is it makes landlords have to increase their rent to pay their mortgage,
1: yeah, you know, it's, or it's, sell yeah. the houses that they can't. More like, I have houses. a couple of clients right now that are selling their rental properties because they're underwater, they have variable rates, and they're like they're losing thousands of dollars a month, yeah. Well, now if the
2: people move in, then the tenants are out, and yeah, it, it, and that's
0: so. There's an issue there too. Like, as a landlord, you look at vacancy right now in Kelowna and it's basically 0% for renters. Like, most people would look at that and go, that's amazing. Like, it's risk free. I'm going to buy this. It will be full. It's actually a huge risk because you have no turnover because that tenant has nowhere else to go, meaning they're never going to move out. Like, once you get a tenant, they're there for five, 10 years, um, which means you can never really increase rent. So, you can't mitigate your expenses going up, which are property taxes, insurance mortgage, et cetera. So to have like a margin of vacancy is actually more beneficial totally. as a landlord. So you can have that turnover and then you can readjust. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't I say that often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually just heard that somewhere else. So I just parroted. Yeah. yeah. I guess my question for you, Crystal Ball is like you were talking about your parents giving advice and not listening to it. What would you give advice to somebody right now, whether it was their first house or rental property, like area of Kelowna type of property, infill, Airbnb? What do you like? What do you see that's good?
2: Well, I think that, I mean, we don't, our team in general is pretty low pressure. Like we don't want to pressure in anybody into buying something that they can't afford to buy. Because are you kidding me? The except place for that the you sold brothers. me. <laughs> yeah. Jackson brothers, you, you know, they owe us. But yeah. uh, Anybody else, you don't really want to pressure them into buying anything that they can't afford, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity And if you are just willing to live out of the downtown core of the South Pandoze. Like everybody wants to live in South Pandozi. Like it's beautiful down there. Even in the condos coming out. Yeah, but yeah. you go out to West Kelowna States, I think they I don't think they've peaked. Like there's a lot of good properties out there. With That's an nice underrated leaves. neighborhood. I love that neighborhood. Yeah. I mean Lake Country was kind of on the map, like I yeah. think It was the fastest growing. I mean, it's beautiful out there. You get multiple lakes, views are great, and the prices weren't quite as high. So, if you can drive across the bridge, I think there's some good opportunity. I think even in Lake Country, some areas
0: are pretty good. Yeah, I think you said this the other day when we were talking Rose Valley. Like, I think Rose Valley is very underrated still. Lake views kind of always been a more expensive market for good reason, but Rose Valley is super close. Yeah, that's like. Good lake views.
2: They're like the same proximity. You just turn left to go to Lakeview and you turn right to yeah. go to. Yeah. I mean, I Rose would Valley.
0: say the lots in Rose Valley are a little bit more steep. You're probably they not going to have so many pools or bigger yards. But I mean, some of the views there are beautiful. I know. You get to see the city too. It's uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the nighttime views are almost as good as just the
1: lake view. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, what just spitballing here, but like how there seems to be a lot in Kelowna, a lot of infill, a lot of places getting torn down for apartments. And we're obviously there is some single-family houses being built. Um, but, like, is there less? Are we? Do you think we're net growing or net losing single-family homes in Kelowna? Like, what do you think? In comparison to, like, the growth of the population? Just, just no, overall. Like, do you think the number well, of single-family homes? I mean,
2: they took, I think, 900 or 1,000 homes downtown and made them into RU7 lots. Yeah. Which, the idea was, this is great. Now, four people can live yeah. first-time buyers can get in. Yeah, The problem, though, is that they took nine hundred or thousand or whatever that number is. We'll it's say it's going to be way
1: more now. It's supposed to go like six thousand. Yeah,
2: so that, let's just say it's nine hundred. Yeah. They took nine hundred at the time, and they said all those first-time buyers are gone. Yeah. They get developed now. You're paying seven hundred for a quarter of a fourplex. Yeah. So you could have had like we bought one of those small little houses for three hundred and fifty k. It was the only way we could get into the market. Yeah. But when you take that away, now you've got lawyers looking at them and you know they were supposed to be the idea i thought was to get four people in at 350 yeah but it didn't happen and then the lot prices went way up because of that because of that yeah. but now you have to make sense of the plot of land like you have your build costs you have your land costs you've got your dccs you gotta wait i mean you gotta wait on how long it takes yeah. so when you see these ru7 lots that are a million dollars they just it's hard to make sense of them sometimes now especially if you have to bulldoze a house because that could cost uh, I don't know if either one of you dealt with that, but it, I think it's getting up to about 100,000 now. So
0: yeah, no, I took half my house down by hand. and oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting in the yeah, other 100 million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's about 99,000. So I saved a 1,000 bucks. It's a good investment of time. Well, actually, can you give a quick education on like land assemblies then? Because that's like a fairly, I don't know, hot topic people throw them around that terminology like just the other day i was driving down gordon and boom there's four signs by the same realtor for sale land assembly like do you guys go and actively knock on houses and ask like hey we think this would be a good land assembly here's like the cost or do people come to you as a group like a few neighbors like how does that start to finish what's kind of the general process
2: i'm sure it looks different like if there's a lot of agents that do land assemblies but for us it's Joe is the better guy to talk to on this. You have to be like near public transit. So if you have three houses that you can put together and you're near that, you're near a corridor, then it might make sense. But the issue is, is now you have to get three sellers on the same.
1: I've done a few land assemblies and they're not not doing that again.
2: Yeah. So we did uh, one recently.
0: Well, you're going to get a phone call from a guy. Hey, you want to do land assembly? Yes, absolutely. I'll list your house right away. It is like, well, if they call. Yeah, but I'm not going to love the (laughs) case.
1: It is you have that was a quick flop. Three to five people who all want a lot of money for their. their, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. You have to deal with if you have three or four houses in a row, and somebody gets like say the first two get one million, and the second person or the third person gets one point two, the first two people now are not going to sell. Yeah, they all want the same, but. Alone, their house is worth eight hundred. Yeah, even though they're way, making way more money, the psychology works. That yeah, it's really they want hard the Same to them on that page, right? So, like, this happens. This has happened a lot of times to me, where like you have just like the corner lot will say, "I want five hundred thousand dollars more" because I'm the corner lot, and so then the, everybody else says, "Okay, I want that much more," and then it doesn't work. Do you guys set up a, a contract going into it? If you have say three people, is there? contract i like, I, I did promotion. do that the first couple i did do that but then you realize that the way you price them they're not going to sell on their own anyway unless like somebody finds there's like oil under the house or something like they're not nobody's going to pay that much money for just one house so it's kind of it's almost a mute point yeah
2: they're worth more as the pair but yeah if one doesn't sell like we had a group of three houses and yeah you know one chose that they didn't want to be a part of it or they wanted too much money so you're better off than just selling your house because, or doing two, and then they'll build four if they can. They might not be able to build six or eight. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Is the due diligence period much longer? Because whoever's buying those three houses wants to take it to the city and be sure.
2: Oh, yeah. It's always due diligence on land assemblies and any sort of buying of commercial land. It's way longer. Like yeah. We just got an offer on one, and I think it's 90 days and then 60-day wow. close. So Because they're spending a lot of money. So they yeah. need to make sure that
1: And they're... it depends too like it could be even longer than that if you have to rezone. Yeah, it could oh, be. A long and it, or it could be quicker if it's all ready ready to go like it's Do you think yeah. it's
0: a like an investment that your day-to-day, you know, flipper investor could get into or is it just leave it alone as developers like the cost of investment there is just way too much for the average person? I th- I think that you
2: have to have some liquidity. If, yeah. Like the and buyers that have money are probably going to do better on it. Um, than if you're boring, And I mean, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. You have to get everybody to agree. Often there's an agent that you have all three houses. The middle guy has his own agent. So now you're negotiating with everybody and you're saying to the agent, it's only worth this with this. So if, if you do get everybody lined up, then you really have to have worked out your numbers. You can't just say, oh, well, then the developer could build this. And if he sold six stories at, you know, 500 each and he's made a ton of money. People like to use that simple math and it just doesn't work because there's a lot that goes into it. And then by the end of it, the developer has to make money. Otherwise, why would he buy it? He's not going to spend two or three years of his life and a risk play to then not make any money. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to leave some on the table for the developer. If you can get people to understand that a lot of people you can, if they've lived there for 30 years, you say, listen, your house shouldn't even be worth 800,000. Like, Two years ago we were saying it was worth six. Yeah, yeah. Now it's worth eight. Used to be doing cartwheels. Now we're gonna tell you we're gonna increase it another two hundred thousand. Yeah. But the neighboring house we really need, because it's on the corner and without it we get nothing. So they're gonna get an extra two hundred thousand. And then they say, No way. And like, how <laughs> did the house end up selling for the market goes down <laughs> ends up selling for six hundred thousand? <laughs> And they feel like they've lost. Four, you screwed them out of four hundred thousand dollars now. <laughs> and you're enemy number one. <laughs> so, but to the other people, it's just like they understand that piece of it. It's it's re- it can be a really good thing. It's just it's it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of land assemblies. You'll see a lot of signs and land assemblies, and very few
0: sell. So. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. Well, it's it's funny you stated like there's one agent that's different in the middle. And- that's exactly what it is on Gordon. There's an agent that has three of those units and then there's one in the middle. It's a different agent. He's yeah. like, yeah. oh man, that's going to be a headache.
2: I'd be negotiating like, I want my commission to be 10 and five.
0: <laughs> the middle guy. <laughs> the hardest one. Yeah. There's actually, I got a call from a buddy and I, I won't disclose his information, but does a bunch of infill type of projects. You know, and he had a really creative idea. And I I think it's viable. I think he's still doing some research with the city, but basically he has a property right now and I think he can fit a duplex or maybe a threeplex on it, a triplex there. The lot beside him, the house beside him just came up for sale. So he called me and he's like, hey, I was wondering if we can finance this where basically I buy that house and sell it right away, but I move the property line over three meters, like redo the property line, and then I can build a fourplex. And it's going to add like another $300,000 of gain to his project. It's like, it's actually a really good idea. Like there's a ton of complexity there. And like, there's quite a bit of risk in property transfer tax. Yeah.
2: Commissions
0: or whatever. Speculation tax, vacancy tax, anti-flipping tax, all these Taxes. Why not just ask that seller to buy a portion of your property? Well, that's and what maybe. I said. I was like, why don't you just go to him and throw him 50 grand? And he's like, well, for sure. But then it's that mentality thing. Like, once you tell someone, hey, I'm trying to build three units. If we could move your property line over, I could build a fourth unit. Oh, you should be paying me 300,000 because that's worth a, four, you know?
2: Yeah, but can't you just say, hey, I'd like to have a bigger lot. Would you mind selling me a portion of your, you know, if you're not using this, we'd like to put a fence here. And in order to put the fence here, we're going to pay you. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, that's what they're doing. Man, if I was John's neighbor right now, I'd be very <laughs> <Yeah>. careful. <laughs> just slowly creeping the fence over his <laughs> spying.
1: His front door, I can reach around for my <laughs> friend's line,
0: Yeah. You unlock it? Yeah. yeah. I, that would have been a good question for uh, Adam Chica to ask. We should keep that one in mind. I'll bring this guy on the show. Um, it is city West Kelowna. I'll, I'll disclose that, that um, he's speaking to. Yeah. And um, I think it's just too long of a process. And too much risk for him to actually go and do it. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very it's very good
2: play. It's a smart idea. It just sounds yes. like a lot more complicated than it could be.
0: Yeah. I think there's just like the exit strategies are kind of limited for yeah. you. Because if you get stuck holding that property, it's, it could be a tough one to finance. Then you should have just built the duplex. <laughs> yeah.
2: The other actually, what I just thought of was the other issue with the land assemblies is oftentimes one of the houses has too much value. Yeah, yeah, so you nice. don't want to get rid of it yeah so you see like two old houses that are yeah. teardowns and then you see like a brand new one with a carriage house and you're yeah like, oh yeah this kind of puts a kink in the plan
0: yeah yeah so how do land assemblies come? like do people contact you guys as a three neighbors four neighbors like how does it
1: generally come? one or two will call and then you just you can look at it it's pretty easy to tell which ones are going to be nice and you can just say like listen we get your neighbors involved and everyone's prices go up, right?
2: Yeah, or somebody's like, I was talking to my neighbor. We're thinking yeah. like, could we put these together? And sometimes you just have to be honest and say it's, it doesn't work here. You know, you can sell them individually and here's what they're worth, but it doesn't work as a, as a land play.
1: Time for everyone's favorite
0: part of the show, the ice maker section. Brought to you by myself, Matt Glenn. Okay, we, we kind <laughs> of already touched on if you could buy one property in the Okanagan, where would it be? You basically just said, anything anywhere or let's let's talk did specifically about you did i say that no yeah. well that, that was what your advice would be oh i see yeah let's say about you then like if you were to buy a property your next property in the okanagan where would it be what would it be it, do i
2: have to go to you to ask for money from the bank or if i just like i win the lottery what would i buy
0: <laughs> yeah you win the lottery
2: oh if I and win then the you lottery. come to me, and give me <laughs> <laughs> if i won the lottery and money wasn't an issue i think i'd buy on the lake uh um, yeah. they're where? not making any more lakefront so i mean depends you're, how you're much water out. you
0: win <laughs>
2: <laughs> else uh, on the lake i would probably buy in west Kelowna because you get the morning sun and you don't yeah. cook at night i know a lot of the people on the side of the bridge you know they've got screens down it just gets too hot
1: yeah
2: yeah uh, i like the heat but i also like to sit so like sun. is
1: that castle loma or is that like green bay or what do you think
2: yeah like pritchard or, yeah yeah that'd be kind of a dream location for awesome. me awesome
0: love that I I think you like Big White too, don't no? you?
2: If I had to borrow money from Taylor and I could borrow like Taylor's personal money as well and maybe be a 25% share but use the condo 75% of the time, I'd probably want to buy a Big White. Yeah, yeah
0: nice. That sounds good. Exactly. Draw, draw up the <laughs> it, contract. I yeah. know I'm going to be the one using it all the time. You're going to be down <laughs> yeah. here working.
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah. no. We yeah. stayed up at Big White actually for a month. And it was yeah, I know you guys both
0: well did. Uh, no. Well, no, I stayed up there for the month. Did you come up at all? Oh, I got
2: five days in, I think. But the best five days of skiing I've oh, had in yeah. like a decade, so yeah. it, was, it was perfect time.
0: Yeah. Best thing you've ever spent money on?
2: Best thing? Oh, probably a an engagement ring. Like, you know, I had a oh, lot nice. of nose, like a lot <laughs> of no's. and then wait on an engagement. <laughs> yeah, anything dates. You know, courtesy hellos. Just no, no. So. I
0: found, uh, yeah, that was a... Can I hold this door for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Not
1: yeah. interested, girl. Yeah.
2: No. So probably our first house, realistically. And just, I mean, it's probably... You knew I was going to say that, but it's just really helped us
0: continue to... That's probably what got Marley to say yes. It wasn't the ring. It was the fact that he could buy a house.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, no. we had. I was renting with Paul. <laughs> so there was no house at the time. So I think it was... She's allergic to peanuts. I think it was... Maybe she had a lot of no's. People like peanuts too much. So, you know, I was the lonely option. That was like,
1: I'm not too... Close. I'll give up, peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. For you, man. I'll, I'll, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll
2: give up peanuts. You take this ring and put it on. Tell people we're married. <laughs> it's been a win-win.
1: Yeah, I spend five days at Big Light with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for what's the best uh, book or quote that you uh, like? Oh, I
2: think I put How to Win Friends and Influence People had it for like a decade and I still don't have many friends and I'm not good at influencing people. (laughs) I swear if I keep reading it, something good will happen. And from that book is a quote and it's a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And I think that sometimes I can be stubborn. So I have to think like, you know, have I just convinced myself that this is the right answer? This is true because somebody's giving me different information. I'm typically like, nah, that can't be true because this is what I think. So I'm always like, okay, Maybe I need to hear what they're saying. and
0: I personally, I think you're great at that. And you're very good at being, having a balanced opinion. I feel I'm more stubborn and I feel that Emily would support that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it is very true in the sense of like, if you're having a discussion with someone and even if you force your opinion down their throat and you get them to agree with you, they're not going to be happy with it. It's not like if someone's like, ah, yeah, you're right. I concede. Like you have the better argument. Yeah.
2: yeah You've still created conflict. Yeah. And then, if we are talking, and I know somebody has a, an opinion that I don't agree with, then you can just avoid that conversation. Instead of trying to convince them of your point, you just like if I'm at a family dinner, and you know,
0: you just that's avoid why, it. That's why John's such a good friend of mine. I just feel like yeah. I'm always like he's always right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, man!
2: <laughs> Strawberry cheesecake blizzards are the best. You know, we don't judge them for
1: Taylor's just, <laughs> talking to John. Just throw back peanuts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Um, how can our listeners best connect with you, your team, if they want this report, like obviously we'll, we'll throw it on our social media and Instagram. Yeah. If they want to reach out to you guys and and dive into any more.
2: Um, yeah. If they want t- any reports, I mean, every month we, I mean, I haven't been sending them every month consistently, but we do reports every month and their absorption reports. So it just allows you to see different price points, what's selling kind of where the market is for buyers and sellers. Um, so, you could reach out to me by text or we have a real estate Kelowna BC uh, as our website, or you could just email me at John T at gmail.com, but pretty easy to get hold of me. If you're data driven or you just like to see what's going on in the market every month, which I think quite a few people are, even if they're not in the market, then yeah. uh, we'll just yeah. add you to that email list. and
0: Yeah. I'll, we'll, uh, we'll throw your email and website in the show notes in terms of just a carry on a little bit more in terms of the absorption report. So where is the market right now? Like seller market, buyer market, what price range real quick?
2: Yeah. So we talked about this briefly. It was up to about 900 sellers market at the bottom there in yeah. the winter. Looks like it's up to about a million 250. The sellers are still in control. And then it, it goes balanced for about a hundred thousand. And then it goes into a buyer's market. And it doesn't mean that buyers just get their way in negotiations. It just means that there's more inventory. The higher you go, when you're borrowing money at a million five, it's more expensive, obviously, a bigger mortgage payment. So people are more picky. There's more inventory for them to look at and decide. There's just no inventory under
0: it's. Them. It's interesting. It's kind of been a seller's market for a long time. For a long time. Personally, I thought it would be switching over to more of a buyer's market. Like at least the files I'm getting are you know, two week condition of financing and spent like, they're just more realistic and balanced. So do you feel it's like going in a trend where it's, I think it's over to a buyer's market.
2: Maybe it's just that there's no inventory or very little inventory up to a million dollars. So if you are a buyer that's buying up to a million dollars, then the sellers are just in control. Cause there's, there's just not a lot of product because it seems like everything's worth a million dollars, right? And you make up a lot of ground with every 100000 that you can borrow or, you know, you have. So if you go from $1.350 to $1.450, you might notice some significant
1: improvements in the house that you're buying. Nice. Well, it's been awesome, John. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah. We'll, uh, We'll have you back again soon. Cool. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.